This is a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. Is there any sporting entity? We know that an awful lot of football clubs have nicknames of birds. Is there anyone out there that's known as the Flamingos? There's a question I'll put out there on 4001. So, no, you can maybe Google that one for me because nothing comes to mind. The Seagulls, Robbie, are who? Brighton. Canaries? Canaries in Norwich. Magpies? Newcastle. Hornets? Which isn't a bird, I know. Uh, Hornets are... Not Watford, are they? Oh, they are Watford. Watford, yes. Well done. Flamingos, get on it, Sonzy. Check Google or whatever other search engine you use, but... uh, (laughs) <laughs> the producer Tom has uh, apparently pulled out something out the bag. He says the Florida Flamingos. Right, I'm looking mm-hmm. them up right now. What sport? The Florida Flamingos. Lacrosse? It's a charter franchise of world team tennis. Really? That's not a, That's not. I'm not having that. I'm not having that at all. Don't even team know that exists. Team tennis? Don't even know what that is. Yeah. In all honesty, the Flamingos. Anyone out there that can enlighten us, please do. Sanjay has hit us up straight off the bat into the final hour of today's show. He says the Djokovic incident is testament that sports and travel cannot resume. He says, so unless it's strict confined tournaments, i.e. UFC and Fight Island, sports really shouldn't be happening this prematurely. And that's where we really want to start, Rob, because breaking news an hour or so before we came on air this evening pertaining to Novak Djokovic no real surprise he's had his comeuppance a little bit he has tested positive for COVID-19 he has yeah he's come out with a statement on his website as well and um, we can get to that in just a few moments but you know it's it's almost the the inevitable conclusion to a saga now that, that he drew criticism for first of all for deciding to stage the Adria tour at yep. the time that he did, because this is very much a brainchild of Novak Djokovic. You know, this is this is his baby, yep. and um, he did it ostensibly to help young up and coming pros from that region. Which is he also did it to help his fellow professionals like Alex Zverev and Dominic Team kind of get back into competitive play much fit, prior right? to the U.S. Open. But while the U.S. Open has stipulated and, and come up with a very strict set of guidelines and procedures that players need to follow, which Djokovic himself referred to as extreme. The Adria tour, watching footage of that, we were speaking about it four days ago. It was like there was no pandemic. The crowds were piling into the stadiums. Djokovic was arm in arm with his fellow pros. He was playing basketball. He was hitting a nightclub. He was limbo dancing. He was doing, in club he was well. doing interviews yeah. with, uh, with journalists and TV stations and they were not wearing masks. He was not wearing a mask. He was shaking hands. Um, he was essentially ignoring. He was sticking two fingers up to the pandemic. That was just kind of, it's almost like uh, his own worldview. It just didn't fit it. Mm. So, um, and to kind of make matters worse, when uh, Grigor Dimitrov Uh, contracted COVID-19 and actually started displaying symptoms, he immediately withdrew from his match and that set off a chain of events which led to the cancellation of the final and Djokovic's coach, Goran Ivanisevic, had to go onto the court to say, guys, sorry, but uh, the final is off. Rublev versus Djokovic is not going to take place. Djokovic did not stay on site to get tested. He went home. He went home and then got tested and sure enough, he and his wife are both positive. 
the children are negative and Djokovic has po- posted a statement on his website. He hasn't done anything. He's been very active on social media, but he's gone very quiet this last couple of days on social media. But the statement that he's pu- pu- published on his website says, we did everything in the past month with a pure heart and sincere intentions. Our tournament meant to unite and share a message of solidarity and compassion throughout the region. The tour has been designed to help both established and up-and-coming tennis players from the region to gain access to some competitive tennis while the various tours are on hold during the COVID-19 situation, he calls it. It was all born with a philanthropic idea to direct all raised funds towards people in need and it warmed my heart to see how everybody strongly responded to this. We organised the tournament at the moment when the virus has weakened, believing that the conditions for hosting the tour had been met. Unfortunately, this virus is still present and it is a new reality that you're about four months too late with that one, Novak, that we are still learning to cope and live with. I am hoping things will ease with time so we can all resume lives the way they were. I'm extremely sorry for each individual case of infection. I hope that it will not complicate anyone's health situation and that everyone will be fine. I will remain in self-isolation for the next 14 days and I'll repeat the test in five days. So don't expect to hear from him for at least two weeks. Yeah, I was talking to Reem Abelil, who, as you rightly pointed out, we did hear from last night and, and she spoke very eloquently last night and she made some, again, very sage points in our little WhatsApp exchange a little earlier because... And she said it last night, and the more I've thought about it, she's absolutely spot on. She sent me some images of the players waiting to be tested in Croatia. And she summed it up as such because she's spot on. It's like a big group uh, of, of kids who messed up at school. They're waiting to go and see the principal and the ringleader. He's not there. And the more that I thought about it, it's good enough for your fellow man, fellow man to, to come over to that part of the world and play tennis. But for Novak to show them a disrespect, that the testing centres, call it what you will over in Croatia, not good enough for him, he made the decision to fly back to his native Serbia. That kind of where it sticks in the throat a little bit for me, because it's like, well, hold on a second, Novak. You've told these, and again, they're grown men, Borna Choric, uh, Gregor Dimitrov, grown men, they can make their own decisions. But they've flown over in good faith. They've come over to play your tournament. They are having to be tested like all the other individuals that were around that tournament. And you're saying, not for me. I'm going to leave this and and head on back to where I feel more comfortable. That, to me, is a little bit of a PR disaster. He is not coming out of this well, is Novak Djokovic, at all in all of this. And listen, before I go anywhere else, we wish him and Yelena and everyone who's been affected by this obviously a speedy recovery. Of course, He's symptom-free, apparently. He is symptom-free, Okay, So... We wait to see what will happen out of this, but it is worth reminding you guys out there, he is the leader of the ATP Players' Council. He's meant to set, mm. you know, set a standard, and he hasn't done that on this occasion. It will be fascinating. I know Rafa and Roger, they don't say anything foolhardily. They'll often sit down with their teams to uh, carefully construct their response to this, but you can bet your life, the journals out there, they want a word from Roger. They want a w- word. Do you think they'll officially comment, those two? Eventually they will. They'll have to. Any journalist worth their salt, whether Rafa doesn't speak one week, two weeks, three months, six months, the first question, I'd be sticking my hand up in the air and be like, what's your reaction to what happened with the Adria Tour? Of course that'll be the first question. And you would imagine they'd take a dim view. Absolutely. But they'll word it in a way where it'll be diplomatic. It's a bit silly on Novak's part. He didn't mean it maliciously. I mean, 
I could do that. I could do their PR job for them. We know what they'll say. I mean, it's interesting. Dan Evans and I know James, the uncle of Dan, is, is listening right now. Dan Evans has come out to say exactly what it is. It's irresponsible. And what it has potentially done is jeopardise the tournaments moving forward. Can Nick Kyrgios? Well, he's absolutely loving it. No love loss between those two. Nick's yeah. gone on record to say basically Novak's fake. Yeah, doesn't have like much him. time for him don't like him and he has well and truly stuck the boot in two wrongs don't make a right I still don't really like Nick myself but he's got a point with what he's just tweeted well he has because he's tweeted uh, prayers up to all the players that have contracted COVID-19 don't at me for anything I've done that has been irresponsible or classified as stupidity this takes the cake and what he's posted below is a video of all those players including Djokovic dancing in a nightclub within a few centimetres of one another, limboing under one another, and obviously none of them are wearing face Ugh. masks. Or I mean, it's, it's, it's as if it happened three years ago. I mean, it's, it's when you look at it, I mean, how badly wrong can you get it? As they say in the US, the optics are not good. <laughs> the optics. I've heard that word more in the last 24 <laughs> yeah, hours. Where's that come from all of a sudden? The, the opt- optics. Aesthetics. I, I had never heard that until about two <laughs> months ago, and now you cannot get away from the phrase. The optics are definitely Please not tell good. me, 4001, is your work using <laughs> optics by any chance? Has someone in a management meeting said to you that the optics of so-and-so will be really good or bad? Yeah. Because I can't get away from it now. You it's said already it annoying me. And then Reem dropped it in a couple of times on her little phone call yesterday with us, and I can't get out of my head now. The optics not great on that at all. <laughs> and if ever there were some bad optics... Yeah, we've used it about Forget tanking times. at a tennis match. This one is taking the cake. Don't get me wrong, though. I, I don't stand for anything that Nick Kyrgios says. And, and for those of you who say I put bums on seats, I mean, the guy's an imbecile as well, is Nick. He's, he's a numpty, in mm. my opinion, for some of the stuff he's done. But he does raise the point in terms of being absolutely stupid in what they've done. In hindsight, you could say it's a wonderful thing, but we're in the midst of a pandemic. Reem said it last night, common sense, folks. That's all we ask during these period, common sense. And unfortunately, Novak Djokovic had absolutely none. Not just him, though, a number of other players that have contracted that virus. We wish them well because we don't wish uh, ill will of anyone. That goes without saying. Continuing the COVID-19 theme, and not to be all doom and gloom in the sports hour tonight, 10 Pakistan cricket players have contracted the virus, and yet the PCB are adamant that they're still going to tour England. It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's a worry as well. I mean, who, who was it? I think it was Sanjay a little earlier said it might just require a, a little bit of railing back this idea, this notion of, of travelling around the globe. We know, and we've heard and, and we spoke to the team down in Abu Dhabi last week, the measures that are taking place down on Yaz Island for UFC's Fight Island. It's unprecedented what they're doing. I mean, they're creating a 10-mile radius safe zone just in order for it to, to go ahead. They are the kind of measures that are being required to ensure the safety of the protagonists. It, it makes me think that if there's no vaccine by this time next year, how can the Olympics yeah. go ahead? Well, we'll have to How do can it. Euro they'll, 2021 go they, ahead? They will have to do it. They will have to take similar measures that are being taken down in Abu Dhabi for UFC, that are being taken but over how? in the US. How can they do that? Create bubbles. Create a, I guess, a safety I'm quoting here air quotes a safety zone I just zone. think logistically that could be too tough for an event that size if UFC have to go to such measures to hold a couple of fight nights 
Think about it. But the Think NBA, about an Olympic Games. Yeah, but you, with swimming, I with track it, and field, yeah, and it may with well horse be, riding. It may well be reduced. I wouldn't rule that out. Uh, and I know that just that, cancel it. I don't think it will be, Rob. I think too much. Why has would been you reduce? It? I mean, it's just, it, just, it gets it gets to the point where if you can't have spectators, if you can't have yeah, the events in full, uh, uh, there comes a point. What's the point of having it? That's twelve months away. I don't want to get or it's longer. It's Thirteen months. Yeah, but away. I don't know. I, I, again, short of something, for all the progress that has ostensibly been made and has undoubtedly been made, the the the, the reality is that it's in circulation. Athletes are going to get it. If they travel, they're going to pass it on. They're going to pass it on to their teams. And you Not cannot... Necessarily. You can't Sport cannot be contained indefinitely. It, it so, can't. But I, I tell you, we, we've referenced the UFC, which is actually on a smaller scale to what the NBA are going to be attempting at the end of next month because they've commandeered Disneyland in Florida. They have commandeered the ESPN, the three courts, the three major hotels over there, and they are flying in 22 teams. Eight games, I think, remaining of the regular season. They'll then move into the playoffs. And that's what they're attempting to do. A 113-page protocol guideline book was released last week. I know various NBA journalists were tweeting out that, and there was some ridiculous stuff in there that apparently you can't play ping-pong in doubles in and around the team hotel, which just seems absolutely ludicrous where you would allow these guys to take to the court. But that is on a much grander scale than what UFC are doing down in Yaz Island. This is the NBA who have commandeered Orlando, yeah. over in Orlando, Disneyland, in order to get the NBA season completed. So you can bet your life the powers that be over in Tokyo will be keeping a close eye on what's happening in Abu Dhabi. We'll keep, be keeping a close eye on what happens over at, uh, at Disney World with the NBA and they will get learnings from it. There's no doubt in my mind on that. And again, you look at what the Champions League are doing. They're shipping the eight teams over to Lisbon, Portugal. They're housing the teams in various hotels and they're trying to... A controlled environment, Rob. And 13 months is a long time. And one thing we do know with the Japanese as well, they're forward-thinking. They will come up with ideas and solutions to some of the problems. Is it going to be an Olympic Games, the likes of which we have seen before? No. But I would still be... Still be and what about the Euros? The Euros is going ahead. I received the email today. 12 cities, all 12 have stuck their hands up to say we remain adamant and committed. And the schedule as is. So, I mean, I've, I've still kept my tickets. I'm still confident that, again, 12 months away, there will be provisions put in place to ensure the safe carrying out of these sports. Now, if cases like the stories of Novak continue to arise over the course of the next six, eight, nine months, and of course they will relook at it, but be a little foolhardy at this juncture, given the huge steps we've taken forward, to completely write it off. It's going to be interesting to watch, but uh, all eyes will be on, no doubt about it, Yaz Island next, next month for UFC's Fight Island, and then of course all eyes will be on Orlando to see how the NBA get Are on Are you surprised well. there haven't been as many cases in the Premier League? No, because... The money that's been spent. I mean, the, the, the clubs have, have really stumped up the cash to ensure that these players are being tested, that the parameters, that, that things have been put in place on the training ground to ensure that they are being responsible. And again, these footballers, they're earning so much money. I'm sure the law was laid down to them. And we've seen instances. I think Kyle Walker made a well-documented mistake. Jack Grealish, one or two players, they're not, they're, they're not impervious. They're, they're human beings at the end of the day. They've made mistakes. They've been brought back in line. I'm not surprised... 
one eye out on Shafat because I think the Premier League and a lot of clubs out there have gone above and beyond to try and ensure there's not 100% guarantee of safety but they've put parameters and they've put things in place you pop onto John Terry's Instagram you look at his stories in terms of the cleaning mechanisms that are in place every day going into the uh, the, the Bogmoor training ground at, uh, at Aston Villa they are doing everything in their power to try and ensure that these players are safe because it matters to these clubs that those football players their commodities at the end of the day that they're out in the football field doing what they do best and that's playing football so no <laughs> sorry is the short answer to that it kind of it's it's what happens when you put money in and put a proper structure in place to ensure the safety and other sports need to do likewise unfortunately Novak's idea over in the Adria Tour was just ill-conceived and a little bit stupid to be perfectly honest and we're delighted to be joined by the director of swimming at Hamilton Aquatics the largest and most successful swimming academy in the Middle East kids have been back training with Hamilton over the course of the past week down at the magnificent state of the art Hamdan swimming complex so they've been back a week one man who has been overseeing them all it is Ash Morris and he joins us live on the line now good evening to you Ash Hi guys, how are you? Yeah, very well. Nice to have you on the show this evening, Ash. You've been back. You've been back at it for a week. How is it all? Semblance of normality has returned. Are you enjoying being back first and foremost? Yeah, as a coach, I'm absolutely loving it. <laughs> and honestly, the kids are kids are in their element. They've uh, been happy to escape uh, the life of Zoom, uh, which has been their constant throughout uh, this whole time on uh, for school. And, and and they've just been really enjoyed getting back in the water. Uh, lots of motivated swimmers. Have you grown tired of using the phrase "new normal" yet, Ash? <laughs> uh, I haven't. No. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is the new normal? Um, I still don't really know, but it's uh, it's a very strange world, particularly for swimming, because uh, as as you as you know, in, in swimming, it's lane swimming where you, you've got multiple people in a pool. So we we've had to take a really uh, big step back and, and just make sure everything's safe and. Um, distant, which is quite bizarre for swimmers because you you end up spending a lot of time in, in each other's faces in swimming and at the end of the lanes when you're changing kit and resting, we've had to really make sure that people are um, you know social distancing and being careful with their equipment and and, uh, and putting all these kind of measures in place, which uh, which is a very strange thing. I appreciate, Ash, this is a bit of a general question, but what has been the kind of reaction, the feedback from not only the kids that you're coaching, but parents? Is there an acceptance that this is, and I hate to use it again, the new norm? I mean, how have you alleviated any fears, and, and what is the kind of general feeling amongst everyone? To be honest, I think everyone's just in the honeymoon period of real appreciation for getting back in the pool. Um, so everyone's just still buzzing, to be honest. And um, I think I think if we're in the same position in a few months where we're, we're still kind of in this kind of robotic modern world, um, which seems very bizarre at the moment, um, then, then maybe it might get a little bit tiresome. But at the moment, I think everyone's just happy to be back in and, and cracking on with it. What about your elite swimmers, Ash? Because I know that you have plenty of those at Hamilton Aquatics. And, you know, young developing athletes every day. We've, we've yeah. spoken to Michael Phelps. He would treasure every single day of training. And I know he's yeah. a very extreme example. But when you are that age and when you are at that stage of your development, a three-month kind of layoff can have some significant effects and, and it can impact you quite severely, I would imagine. How have you kind of helped your, your your star pupils, as it were, get through that? 
Well, as, a, as an organization, like um, my, my bosses were, were very supportive of, of what we were doing. And the priority was to fundamentally keep the kids active. Um, so we, we were straight on. I think we had a, maybe a one week shutdown before we were straight on the interactive Zoom sessions. So we've been doing like every Sunday we were having like an Olympic medalist come on and Zoom and do a Q&A with the kids. Um, so they were learning and we're doing education sessions with them, psychology, nutrition, um, as well as every day um, there was a, a, a fitness kind of session available for the kids. So, again, very lucky that we've got a couple of S&C specialists which were able to kind of map out that uh, that program for us. And, and a lot of our swim coaches had to get out of their comfort zone and de- deliver some land-based activity on, on Zoom. Yeah, just give us an actual insight when Robbie says the word elites there, because it's often forgotten that you're elites and I'm aware of one or two. They stack up against their peers of the same age around the globe, don't they? Give us an insight into just how good some of your elite swimmers are, Ash. Yeah, like we've got some great swimmers, real real good talents coming through. Um, they, you know, they're, they're not senior internationals. They're not. They're not Olympic finalists, but they're uh, age for age some of the best juniors in the world. Um, we take them quite often to their their home country nationals, um, and 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 yeah, they come back as national champions, making national teams, representing their country at things like European Juniors, World Juniors, um, and those kind of meets. Um, and a lot of them have had opportunities to experience their first international meet on a senior team as well. So they kind of going through that transition and that's kind of my job is to, to, to help them and guide them through and, and when they go on to maybe a senior or university program uh, my job is to kind of give them those skills to, to continue to progress in terms of the olympics and i know this is something that's a long way way off at the moment and uh, we're talking about the best of the very best ash but when everyone was peaking for 2020 and then this happened and it disrupted everything and now they've suddenly got to get back to that mountaintop in 2021. Is that is that something that is quite easy to circumnavigate for a top swimmer, or is that a massive change to their schedule and a and a very difficult challenge to overcome? Yeah, I think if, if we're totally honest as well, there were a lot of countries, uh, I won't name names, which uh, did uh, just stay in the pool and keep training, uh, which is probably hard to take for your Adam PTs of the world when when the whole of Britain was on lockdown. Um, but, but, you know, the, the kind of funded athletes within their respective countries got back in the pools first. Um, and now they're kind of phasing in club programs throughout the world as well. But, it, it, you know, it's a massive thing. It's not like any, any sport where you can, you know, if you're a footballer, you can, you can at least kick a ball around or you can go for a run. And they're kind of transferable skills in, in some regard, whereas swimming, you need to be in a pool. Um, so it's, it's kind of an, a bit of a, a strange sport and you really do need a pool to, to progress. Tech, talking technical for a second, Ash, and I'm tapping into the, your experience, I guess, but for these athletes and, and swimming in particular, you have been training for your four years to peak at a certain point, a certain week, a certain fortnight, if you will, for the Olympic Games. How do they, they then taper off to then taper back up? I mean, just if you can, in layman's terms, just how easy is that process for these elite guys and gals? I think it's going to be really tough for, for a lot of them. You know, when you think about a lot of the athletes who are at the pinnacle of the sport, um, and maybe they were hanging on for that last year, and it was that that 2020 Tokyo, which were just keeping them going for that, that extra year where they might have been breaking down with injuries or 
or just struggling mentally. Um, and now they've got to find another ball of energy for another year. Um, I think that'll be tough for, for maybe a small percentage at the top end. And I think maybe at the grassroots level, I think, you know, 80, 90% of kids are really going to realise how much they love the sport and, and other sports, um, how much they've missed it. And, and potentially 10, 20% will realise that maybe that wasn't the chosen sport for them and they've, they've found other interests or or got their heads down at school or whatever that may be. Not putting too much pressure on some of your young swimmers, but does this little 12-month sojourn, this little 12-month postponement, does that slightly leave the door ajar for any of your swimmers to maybe reach the Olympic Games next year? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a bit of a disaster in terms of they were at the top of their junior year for, for European Junior Championships, so that got cancelled, but the, it, it creates an opportunity for them to have an extra shot um, and by all means, there's, there's, there's no expectation on them to, 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 do, to do that. But with, anything's possible with kind of young, driven, committed athletes. And there's, there's a couple in the program which, you know, they've got to drop a small amount of time. Um, and if they do that and they've, they come out of this as more resilient swimmers, then, then I don't see why it isn't achievable. Ash Morris, always a pleasure catching up with you. Hamilton Aquatics, yes, elite, but over 5,000 budding young swimmers, part of your programme. How, if anyone's listening to this, any parents, any young kids themselves, keen to get into the pool, what's the best way to get in touch with you guys? Just through our, our website, we've, uh, we've actually just kicked off all the, all the school locations again as of like tomorrow and this weekend. So um, now's the time we're going to be swimming throughout the whole summer, all ages, all abilities. So uh, I think it'll be a great opportunity for people. Yeah, I need to pop down as well because I'm still in the learning phase of this swimming <laughs> malarkey. But Ash Morris, thank you so much. I've been doing that for a year before you say anything, Robbie. <laughs> yeah. Ash Morris, thank that you, my gonna man. going to run and run. Thanks, guys. Brilliant stuff. The director of swimming, Hamilton Aquatics, Ash Morris. Massively upbeat about things, Rob. I mean, yeah. it's just kind of get, get on with things. You've got to yeah, take your precautions, so. yes, but you've got to just move on and, and kind of get... Sounds awful to say get over it, but just get back in the pool, get back to doing what you do best. And for these budding young swimmers, that is swim folks but uh, just very quickly referencing a couple of football little tidbits uh, Chelsea new short term contracts for Villian and Pedro will ensure that they are wearing blue until the end of this Premier League season from a Manchester United perspective news today that Scott McTominay has signed a new five year deal Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has said that David De Gea remains the best goalkeeper in the world Jens Lehmann come on Ollie. Mm, kind of agree but that's an argument for a different you still day. think David De Gea is the best goalkeeper in the world still have him yeah You'd have him over Jan Oblak. Yeah, but that's maybe a little blinkered. Maybe a little blinkered. Just a touch? And maybe a touch. Are you are you are you, are you basking Oblak. in past glories perhaps? A little. Jan Oblak, listen. If I'm speaking subjectively, objectively, he is the best goalkeeper in the world. But I still think David De Gea is top class. I said it on last night's show and I'll, I'll stick by that. Uh, Neil Warnick, I went on social media today. That man's got more lives than a cat. Seventy one years of age is Neil. Master at getting teams promoted. He has replaced Jonathan Woodgate in Middlesbrough today at 71 years of right? age. Didn't His know we'd be ending the show on Neil job. Warnock to Middlesbrough. It's a bit odd that. I, I do appreciate that, but I'm just filling you in on some of the football stories making headlines today. Big night of Premier League action again. Yeah. There's no getting away from it. And two games that I'm thoroughly looking forward to. Yeah, Leicester taking on Brighton. Leicester making that push, of course, to or at least solidify their place 
in the Champions League in the top four. They're currently third, but they've fallen a little way behind Manchester City. City picking up six points following the resumption. And Leicester are three points clear of Chelsea, who are in fourth place at the moment. So they're taking on your beloved Brighton, who had that brilliant victory over Arsenal in uh, the, the first match following the resumption. So that should be interesting. Good game, Matt. Um, Tottenham will play West Ham, and that's really a must-win for both of those teams. <laughs> yeah. West Ham because they're now just one place above the relegation zone, and Tottenham because, you know, OK, they drew 1-1 with United, but they did not look good. No. And uh, Mourinho is... I, I feel like he's, he's, he's just waiting to be under pressure. <laughs> It does feel like that, doesn't it? It is a big game. You're absolutely right for both teams. Two real good matches tonight. So if you're looking, if you're at a loose end, which you really shouldn't be if you love your football, uh, those two matches are thoroughly looking forward to tonight. It is Leicester against Brighton. That one kicking off at 9pm. And then you've got to stay up late. 11.15 kickoff, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. It is Spurs against West Ham. You've been listening to a Dubai Eye 103.8 podcast. To enjoy lots more from Dubai Eye in the United Arab Emirates, just go to DubaiEye1038.com or find them wherever you normally get your podcasts.